Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Objective brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center UK, where we apply the practical philosophy of objectivism to everything. And today we have a very interesting topic, the psychoepistemology of tribalism. So if, if you guys are, are freaked out by the fact that the left and the right are not only intensely engaged in their, in their own righteousness, but very blind to the sins of their own tribal members, Perhaps we can unpack this psychoepistemology for you, an objectivist term that we'll be unpacking as well for people who are unfamiliar with it, uh, and, and give you a little bit more clarity on how to negotiate these times, which are, which are pretty crazy. But before we get into that, I want to talk about Quint Cordaire fine art. You've probably seen some of it if you've been watching the reality show, Linda Cordaire often does the show from her art gallery and you can see some of that amazing stuff behind her they've been making the world even more beautiful place for oops 27 years i believe i just did something crazy here hold on they've been making the world a more beautiful place for 27 years specializing in romantic realist paintings and sculptures some of which you saw briefly there we'll try to do it again uh on, on the other side of the uh, half hour the gallery's collection emphasizes themes which celebrate the moments of happiness, weird, joy, and success possible to man on earth. Isn't that an amazing thing? Acquire art you will want to live with by visiting them online at cordair.com. That's C-O-R-D-A-I-R.com or in their Napa, California, and Jackson, Wyoming locations. The new Ayn Rand portrait prints have arrived. And you can visit the link in the description and the pinned comment to get yours today. And for every print purchased with the code ARCUK, Quint Cordaire Fine Art will donate $25 to Ayn Rand Center UK. Wow. Hopefully uh, there'll be lots of money in there. And you, you want to put that screen up now for us, Daniel, so they can see this preview of this art because uh, it unfortunately it was blocking the ad for me. But I want people to see how beautiful this is. You'll see it when we're talking... Uh, with Linda Cordaire in the background. Look at that, Atlas shrugging. What an amazing sculpture that is. When you come home from a hard day at work or from dealing with the vicissitudes of life, what you want is to be inspired. You wanna come home to a place that is a refuge, a place that refuels you. And looking in this art just now refuels me. Look at how beautiful this art is. Look at, how, look at how amazing, look how, how spiritually fulfilling. So folks, um, pick this up if you can. Fill your, your house with stuff that gives you joy. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and we'll show you more of these pictures again when I, when I make this uh, announcement again at the end of the, of the day. So <clears throat> James, my good friend, we have uh, some interesting stuff to talk about because I, I feel like we are in tribal times and objectivists sit way outside these tribes. And as a result, we don't get the same clicks as the tribes do. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched uh, conservative uh, conservatives, uh, ultra right wing conservatives, I've watched their numbers rise and rise and rise on social media as ours somewhat stay the same or dwindle because our message just isn't clear to people out there who are in the tribes. First of all, what is psychoepistemology and what is the psychoepistemology of tribalism? Why is it important for us to understand it? Well, psychoepistemology is a technical term that objectivists have coined. It's a, a term unique to our philosophy, and it is the area where psychology and epistemology sort of overlap. The characteristic method 
that we have of thinking about something. And when I thought about that very definition, you know, there are different kinds of psychoepistemological syndromes, for example, the rationalist or the empiricist syndrome. And uh, I think it's giving maybe too much compliment to our uh, political partisan friends these days to even qualify it as a psychoepistemology because when it's just rank emotionalism, rank tribalism, uh, and a kind of mysticism that's on both sides, it doesn't really get to the point of a method of thinking, really. It's the, the, the closest thing I would have to it is saying, um, they think about this, it's a sort of a pragmatism that's built in, I think, that's underlying this. Look, if the other party gets elected, it's the end of the universe. And if they get in there, the world will come to an end tomorrow. Apocalypse, the second coming, expect the disaster, you know, the fire hail from the sky, right? Uh, if the other dude, and every single time we hear it, you know, you'll hear the partisans over at MSNBC, this is the most important election of all time. And Sean Hannity routinely on Fox News, every single election, happens to be the most important election of your lifetime. And so it, when you have these dire consequences, life and death, apocalyptic consequences on both sides, they tend to overlook the shenanigans, the corruption, the lies of their own guy. And so it becomes a cult of personality. It becomes a cult of demonization. Now, the left really were the pioneers on this. I mean, they they didn't really, they've long, in my view, they've long since ab abandoned sort of serious rational policy arguments for their positions, but they've gotten very good at calling the other guy the devil himself. And that's been basically the, the thrust of their uh, emotionalist tribalism, no question. Um, and my God, look at, you can see Donald Trump, he put these people on the Supreme Court. So if they have to overlook the most obvious bribery scandal of recent times, when obviously the Bryden family has been on the take for millions and millions and millions from foreign interests. Now, even in my ideal objectivist world, even in my ideal objectivist world, that kind of foreign influence peddling bribery should be a crime that public officials are prosecuted for. Even if the federal government only did say foreign affairs and military affairs, it would still matter to me that they were on the take, the secret take from foreign interests. Um, bribery can include more than just giving the money. In fact, the, the back, way back in the crude old days, they used to just give the money to the politician. No, 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 no. Far more common is that you give it to a family member. Well, nearly every member of Biden's family got money, grandkids, nephews, you name it. If I give a bribe to your wife, your kids, your brother, that can be a bribe to you if you're the politician, because people are a little more sophisticated than to get caught in some crude, clunky, uh, obvious bribery scandal. And so what we're looking at here, obviously, I mean, and as a prosecutor, I, I know I have a certain forensic uh, attitude about these crimes, but this is a no-brainer case. If you're the kind of Democrat who cannot see that, that Biden obviously should have a special counsel, that Biden is knee deep. I mean, these people didn't do anything for the millions they got. Zero. Hunter had no. Well, well, well not true. They got a they got a prosecutor fired in a corruption mm -hmm. case against against that uh, that uh, fossil fuel company. In, was in that Ukraine. was that bravo? That was the reason for that. Right. So, no, that is the actual demonstration of bribery. 
<laughs> for what they got. That was the quid pro quo in that case, which demonstrates clearly that it was, in fact, a bribery. He wasn't doing honest work for those companies, for Burisma. He wasn't doing honest work for any of the foreign interests. Where did they get millions for doing nothing, the Biden family? And we all know that Biden himself was having his expenses paid by the son. Now, if you can't see that obvious corruption scandal right there, you are partisan blind. Your blinkers are on so that you are cognitively impaired. That is where I would say kind of approaches the level of what we objectivists would call psychopistemology. They have completely warped their cognitive capacity to see the truth. Why? Because their values on the other guy are so intense that they'll forgive their guy of anything. Let's take Trump. I don't care whether what Trump asked Vice President by, uh, Pence to do after the Electoral College met, have the Senate not certify the election, the Electoral College uh, results, which is just an administerial sort of rubber stamp act that the Vice President, the Senate and the Congress does. They just receive the votes as given by the states. There's nothing the Vice President can constitutionally do. Trump told his vice president to violate the Constitution. I don't care if it was perfectly legal for Trump to do that. I don't care if it had nothing to do with the, the demonstration and violence on January 6th. What Trump did was to violate an ancient president of American uh, power, where the president peacefully turns over power to his successor. When the Electoral College had voted, when each of the state legislators had certified those electors, the Constitution was satisfied, and Trump should have said, congratulations, President-elect Biden. In not doing that, he is as bad as any of these leftists he complains about who attack the institutions of America, like the Supreme Court. He was attacking something like that. Or take Trump's classified document case. There's a, come on, he lied. He lied about having classified documents. Now, if your immediate response as a Republican is to say, well, Hillary Clinton got away with a similar thing. She did it too with classified documents. Okay, you're, again, your cognition is warped. You're not thinking straight. You're not identifying the facts. You're, you're, now think of it from an objectivist standpoint. These people must believe that the ends justify the means. That is to say, to get these, this, these horrible apocalyptic results if the other guy gets elected from happening, it's okay to tolerate a certain degree of moral corruption and decay in our government. No, no, and in fact, ends do not justify the means. I'm hurting my long-term interests if I'm depending on some corrupt politician now. Rather than seeing it that way, in terms of their long-term self-interest, in terms of principles, and it is within our lifetimes, Mark, we have seen an, a terrible decay in this respect. I've mentioned before how it was Republicans who back in the early 70s and Nixon facing Watergate told the president, Mr. Nixon, it's time to go. It's Republicans in the Senate that told Nixon he's got to quit. Those days are long, long gone. Part of it, I think, is the result of the change in the media change in the media. When the media in the 1970s and 80s became perceived as the television media before internet, people got 85, 85% of the population got their news from television, not from the internet, or in back in the 20, dark ages of the 20th century. Uh, but the television news was biased to the left. And people could perceive that. And those left-wing biased uh, news uh, agencies created their own competition. And lo and behold, Fox News springs into existence because there's a whole market out there they're ignoring <laughs> who are news listeners. And so Fox and Newsmax and all these conservatives. But now that there's partisan, uh, the news media itself is partisan. 
it, it's not like the, back in the 1970s where there'd be someone like Walter Cronkite for all his mild left-wing bias would say, hey, this Democrat was corrupt, this Republican was corrupt, and he'd call him as he saw him. That's gone in the media. That's gone among politicians. And as a result, this pragmatist attitude, this pragmatist attitude of ends justifies the means, Donald Trump can say things just as perniciously evil about the Constitution that any Democrat does. Republicans are blind to it. Joe Biden can be involved in a no-brainer bribery scandal. Democrats utterly blind to it uh, because in their pragmatic, emotionalist, tribalist approach, nothing could be worse than the other guy getting into office and having power. Well, at the risk of uh, uh, being accused of whataboutism, when the left, when when the right turns around and says, well, what about your guys who got away with this kind of thing? It's not irrational. They're actually pointing out a hypocrisy that's that's really existing, a two-tier system where one side does have institutional capture and are using that to further their power and hobble the other side. That's a truth. Now, I don't know that many of them I don't know. Whenever I've made that kind of claim, I'm not saying, well, Trump should get away with it. He took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, not to violate it. So, yes, he is in violation of his constitutional duty, fiduciary duty as the president of the United States, and he should be held accountable for it. But it is if my sense of justice is vi- is is really peaked by seeing Hillary Clinton get away with stuff, by seeing Joe Biden get away with stuff, to the tune of $17 million okay. in enrichment. Right. The, the approach on the partisans part should be prosecute them both. If Hillary did something wrong, if Trump did something wrong with classified documents, prosecute them both. Should be now, I hear that. I hear that on the right on, more than I do on the left. Well, it is true that it, the more, perhaps the most disturbing aspect of this is how the Depart- federal Department of Justice, from the top down, is obviously becoming politically partisan. Now, when our criminal justice system becomes prim- criminally partisan, at least overtly criminally partisan, we have turned a dark, dark corner in this country. It used to be that at least in terms of the public perception, they had to be politically neutral on these sorts of issues. And the DOJ, of course, has been uh, particularly focused on, oh, when it came to Trump's classified documents, we have to do a search warrant. We have to go through his wife's drawers and her closet. When it comes to Biden, well, you know, we'll give you a warning. We'll give you plenty of time to get the, the the really bad stuff out there, and we'll we'll ask you politely, would you please turn over these documents? Uh, so there is a totally different. Hillary Clinton destroyed evidence in her case, and they let her get away with it. But of course, yes, those folks do. can't see Trump. Uh, they want Trump in prison because they want Trump in prison. And and can we just can, can we just say I don't want this to sound like we're defending Trump in any sense of the word because there's clear violations that he committed and he has to be held accountable for. But warrants are not supposed to be general warrants. They are supposed to specify exactly what you are looking for. You don't have a right to to take a, a, a general warrant out on somebody, go uh, serve it on them, and then search their entire premise for anything that may be incriminating to them. That is that is against the Constitution. Totally, totally. His wife's underwear drawer was rifled through. I would be so pissed off. I couldn't tell you how angry that would make me. In any case, the the DOJ is partisan corrupt. There's no doubt about it. On the other hand, that's not a reason to vote for Trump. I was never going to vote for Trump. What he had, the way he behaved in that, at the end of that, uh, after that last election, uh, uh, absolutely disqualifies him in my mind. I would. There's no question. The fact that he's a victim 
victim doesn't mean that he should be the president of the United States. How is that a qualification? And yet that's well, the way a lot of Republicans it, see it. Isn't that interesting that um, we've created a, a moral stature for victims on both the left and now the right? So if you are a victim, you are entitled to a place in the hierarchy that you have not earned. And, and that includes Trump. Although I understand it somewhat more with Trump because people really feel like the system is being tilted against him. And then there's a general sensibility, which I think that country song guy hit on, that, that people are controlling your life, that you have no control over yourself, that there's these elites that are pulling the strings and you're sort of a puppet in it. And Trump is a Trump to these people represents that very thing, right? He's he's being he's he's attempting to fight the puppet master. And so I think his martyrdom is serving is 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 going against it's working across purposes to the left. I think they're actually gonna make him bigger than he was had they just left him alone or quietly prosecuted him. Oh my God, you said so many things that are valuable there. There, there are a bunch of other Republican candidates, and I have to say, I, you know, listening to your discussion of Vivek Ramaswamy the other day, you know, there may be good things he sees. He cites Alex Epstein and falsely yes. says fossil fuels are one of his ten commandments. Okay, so there are things about Vivek's uh, campaign that I like, but there are other aspects, you know, pardon Trump right away. Now think about that as tribalism. And, you know, actually Pence had a great response. That's not the objective use of the pardon power. That is a politically partisan use of the pardon power that you're suggesting, uh, Vivek, if you're going to come in and pardon Trump. But the point is that if you think Trump is a victim, there are plenty of other candidates out there for you to vote for who are going to claim that they're going to clean up the system that's per persecuting Trump. You don't have to vote for Trump just because he was persecuted. It's it just doesn't follow. It's a giant non sequitur. On the other hand, the Democrats figure this. They figure they'll weaken Trump enough and get the Republicans all fired up. The more they accuse, make accusations and file indictments against Trump, the, the more popular Trump gets among Republicans. So the Republicans want to get Trump in there uh, because, because he's the victim, even if he means he's a weaker candidate. And the Democrats are happy to set that up. Let's focus on Trump, get him damaged for the general election, but get the Republicans all pissed off enough that they pick him as their nominee. And I honestly think that's their political strategy this time, because they know they got such a weak candidate in Biden. Um, that's that's probably very, very true. Uh, and, and it's easy to feel like we are puppets at the end of a, of a, of a wide, wide political scheme that elitists are are using uh, against us but i don't think that's true we can we we can fight these guys we have minds of our own and we don't have to be uh, hopping around at the at their dictates wait i have a term that i want to throw by you i'm not sure if it's an objectivist term or whether nathaniel brandon stole it from ayn rand or invented it himself it's called social metaphysics. Now, how much do you think, do you, 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 can you explain this term a little bit? I know you're probably familiar with it. And how much does social metaphysics, that sort of second-handerness, uh, it play, play into um, this, this intense tribalism that we see today? 
Um, most people have turned their minds over to authority. There, it is a rare virtue to find people who truly think for themselves on most issues. <laughs> and at least to some degree, in, in my experience, a lot of people just simply turn their minds over to authority. That's one simple version of it. The Fountainhead is a book all about social metaphysics. And uh, whoever coined that term social metaphysics, the book is about what I ran at the time called secondhandedness, in effect, the same thing. People who are mentally dependent on other people for their thoughts, their values. Peter Keating, the, the, one of the characters, in the, doesn't want to be a great architect. He wants to be thought of as a great architect. Mm. Howard Cork doesn't care what fame and gratitude he gets. He wants to construct the best buildings he can because he will have built them. He wants to be a great architect. That is the classic distinction between a social metaphysician and uh, a, 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 a reality-oriented, reason-oriented individualist. And yeah, I think social metaphysics plays into this a great deal. Uh, I think it's my tribe versus your tribe, my authorities versus your authorities. And, you know, the left, for all their pro-science, all they have to do is cite some authority. And well, that's it. That, I don't have to do any more thinking myself. I've cited the correct authority. And you, by, by the way, your your guy is as evil as Hitler. And that's the as far as the intellectual discussion needs to go with them. Yeah. You know? I've noticed a lot of the social contagions today, whether it's the trans movement, which I believe is a, a highly, a, a, we, we, we can attribute to a lot of it to social contagion, to that acquiring self-esteem by being a part of a movement or, or, or acquiring moral stature by being a victim, and, and then feeding off of that stature that the rest of the community is giving you and and getting your whole worldview and sense of purpose and sense of uh, meaning from that you can see the same thing with identifying as a leftist identifying with somebody on the right their 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 sense of being is caught up in the, the these groups what they claim to stand for and that's really hard to a social metaphysician is really hard to make an independently thinking being, don't you think? Oh, How, what can we as objectivists do? Yeah. It's the, is it, an independent thinker can, is the opposite of a social metaphysician. Those are the opposites. <laughs> so how do you get somebody who, who has that orientation towards reality that other people's feelings and thoughts about reality tell me what to think and feel? How do you, how do you transition them from that to an independent thinker? <laughs> oh boy, once you're psychologically automatized into being a crowd pleaser as opposed to a you pleaser, you know, um, and not really caring what other people think, going by your own best judgment, that takes courage, that takes backbone, that takes a spine of steel and balls of brass. Uh, and uh, so it's a high virtue to be an independent thinker. And, mm, and in this world, <laughs> with this sort of philosophical culture, most people are going to be turning their minds. Oh, we, on the right, you can see that they turn their minds over to a religious authority. That's a total turning your mind over to a religious authority. But you know something? On the left, you see the same kind of dogmatism because they don't have objective values. They've bought into the isot dichotomy and moral subjectivism and moral collectivism. And so to them, there's no more rational and independent argument that there is. They're just as dogmatic and emotionalist and tribalist as anything you see on the right. Sometimes, even more intense and fierce. They're religious, dogmatic about it. Uh, when you say, well, wait a minute, y'all are the, the, you know, the scientific uh, relativist skeptic types, aren't you? Oh, but when it comes to values, people have got to have values. And indeed they do. And so when you do have values they, and they need to be passionate, how do they come out? Total irrationality, total tri tribalism, total emotionalism, total pragmatism, total social metaphysics. 
Yes, uh, reforming from some uh, orientation like that to independence is a very, very difficult thing. It's probably why most people don't do it, why they why right. they prefer to give themselves over to mysticism, because it's so much easier. Oh, Look, yeah. this is the road less traveled by, folks. Being, a, being rationally egoistic is a road less traveled. It's difficult. It's arduous. But the rewards are great if you do it. There's nothing like feeling in command of the things that you can be in command of, as opposed to our country singer who became the who, who sang the anthem for the right, even though he didn't mean it for the right, feeling so out of control of your entire existence that you 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 drown yourself in a bottle of whiskey. That is not the objectivist way. If you want to feel in control of your life, folks, take rational control of it today. How do you do that? Start reading Ayn Rand. Subscribe to, to, to sites like the Ayn Rand Center UK. Watch content like this, right? Listen to people like James Valiant, who's going to be giving courses on the Constitution, which you should know if you don't want to be duped by the demagogues out there. Go ahead. Sorry, James. I got to say something. Uh, you, 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 you keyed me up here. Uh, this Saturday, we're doing another one of our mock trials. It is only available to platinum level subscribers of ARC UK, Ayn Rand Center UK. These trials have been such fun. They've been so interesting. They've generated such wonderful discussions. You really don't want to miss out on this. Uh, in the last trial, uh, Mark was uh, my witness in an important, you know, Just Stop Oil protest trial uh, that took place in London recently. And this time we're going to do abortion, an abortion protest uh, case this Saturday in our mock trial. But again, you have to be a platinum level subscriber to get that. And the course you mentioned, we're going to be talking constitutional law at the end of October. You have to be a top level subscriber. A Midas Mulligan, I think, is what they call at level subscriber in order to get that kind of Benny. So there's perks if you become uh, a paid subscriber and it, it depends on what level you subscribe at. But this Saturday, we're gonna have, I think of the third of our uh, mock trials. We have a brilliant British barrister, Matthew Humphreys, who does the defense and I typically do the prosecution and the it is real fun folks. And the discussions it generates are enormous fun. So become a subscriber today and don't miss out. Yeah, growing and learning are fun, folks. I have a couple super chats here. Walter Bischek for two euro. Thank you, sir. Jonathan Honig, always good to see you out there for two ninety nine. Uh, I have a couple of announcements, and then I want to do the. Uh, I want to talk about Quint Cordaire again. And after I'm done talking about Quint Cordaire, conclude the show with their art, if we if we can. Upcoming shows: the six p.m. UK time, the reality show, Marketing Christ. Or I hope you're going to be there, James. I don't know if you are, but you have Creating Christ behind you, Marketing Christ. Uh, some interesting articles there for us to, to digest. 10 p.m. UK time, cutting edge. Uh, is everything physical? That would be an interest. That's an interesting conversation to have, folks. Um, so I want to talk about Quint Cordaire's fine art. It's been making the world an even more beautiful place for 27 years. It specializes in romantic, realistic painting and sculptures. The gallery's collection emphasizes themes which celebrate the moments of happiness, joy, and success possible to man on earth. I can't emphasize how much you need this, folks, for fuel for your life. Acquire art that you want to live with by visiting them online at cordair.com. That's C-O-R-D-A-I-R.com or at their Napa, uh, California, and Jackson, Wyoming um, locations. The new Ayn Rand portrait prints, which you probably saw there in the uh, little montage, have arrived, and you can visit the link in the description. And the pinned comment 
to get yours today. For uh, for every print purchased with the code ARCUK, Quint Cordaire Fine Art will donate $25 to the Ayn Rand Center UK. So uh, Daniel, why don't you roll those uh, roll that art for us if you can, while I say goodbye to my good friend, James Valiant. Uh, make sure you watch the reality show in the next uh, two minutes. Marketing Christ will be the topic. James, as it's great as always to see you. I always have stimulating conversations with you. I always learn so much. I want to do this continuously with you. Um, folks, for you out there in the objectivist and non-objectivist world, always remember to check your premises. Peace.